from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. Chapter 1, Monday, Principalité de Monaco. Victor Jennings, tanned and very fit, walked down the steps of the casino into the cool night air. They were already bringing his blood-red Lamborghini around from the lot. It was a new car, and Jennings was pleased with it. Carizuria Touring Body mounted over a 3.5-litre V12 engine that ran smoothly at 240 kilometres an hour. It was a hardtop, of course. Jenning loathed driving fast in an open car, unless he was racing, and he had rolled enough cars to have a healthy respect for solid protection overhead. Yeah, there you go. Oh, congrats, man. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is, of course, for Christ's sake, but this is no longer the for Christ's sake which centred on Michael Crichton's debut no- no- novel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that uh, yeah. stuttering outburst will make uh, not that much sense to uh, our listeners who heard a perfect rendition of this uh, novel's opening chapter, even though it took me about twenty takes. But yes, we're no longer we're no longer dealing with Michael Crichton's debut novel, Odds On, written under the pseudonym John Large, mm. because we finished it. It's done. That's true. We're on to bigger and brighter things. Those things being the next novel that John Crichton, Michael, <laughs> the next novel that Michael, who's his name? Michael Crichton. The next novel that Michael Crichton wrote under the same pseudonym, that pseudonym being, say it with me, John Lange. John Lange. Scratch one. From when was it? What year? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, I think 68. 68? Let's go with 68. Oh, let's go with the actual year, which Lock it is in. 67. 67. Close enough. So the following year, Odds On was released in 1966. Mm-hmm. Already he smashed out a sequel, even though it's not a sequel. Not it's a just sequel. another novel. It's just another novel. Not a sequel. Spiritual sequel, in that it's also bad. <laughs> you don't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my prediction for this book. Anyway, uh, scratch one. Uh, sorry, my name's Hugh. What's your name? My name is Hunter. You sound like you've been through the wars, my friend. I have been through the wars. The wars of uh, listening to you talk and struggle through that opening paragraph for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, that's what you mean. But that last take was nearly perfect. Only one minor flub. And I, I, I blessedly didn't restart. But here we are. Here we are. We're in scratch one. Apparently we're in Monaco. And what are we doing here? We are following... Uh, wait, before we do that, we have to talk about no. our, our co-hosts. Our co-hosts? Yeah, our co-hosts. Our special snacks or special drink. Ah. So, uh, seasoned odds-on veterans 
by which I mean people who listened to the previous 15 episodes of this podcast. Which is no one. Will know that it is our thing to pair these uh, literary excursions with uh, thematically appropriate foodstuffs. A drink, for example, and a snack. Mm -hmm. And we do not conspire in advance on these uh, pairings. Mm. So independently, we have each read the first two chapters of Scratch One and decided upon an appropriate concoction to drink and an appropriate snack to consume. My friend, would you like to begin by sharing uh, what you have decided upon? All right, Hugh. Well, right now I am uh, tippling a uh, beverage of my own concoction inspired by Victor Jennings' Blood Red Lamborghini. I decided Mm -hmm. to take a San Pellegrino called Arancitia Rosa, which is a blood orange (gasps) uh, sort of soda that they put out. I mix Mm -hmm. this with a couple of dashes of bitters, some lemon juice, and uh, and some gin, but I'm going to switch to vodka, but it's the same drink, basically. Mm-hmm. And that is what I'm drinking, a drink of my own creation. Uh, but blood orange, red, inspired by, of course, Victor Jeanine's blood red Lamborghini. Mm. And I am snacking on a bag of Lay's salt and vinegar chips. I've chosen because Michael Crichton's uh, debut two novels are quite salty, I'd say, towards women, towards uh, people who aren't white or American. I, I think I'd classify them more as a salty. Uh, uh, nice. I'm going to begin with my snack first. So the snack I have selected for this tale that, based on preliminary exposure, Promises twists and turns and convolutions aplenty. Mm, a pretzel. Exactly, a bowl of hard pretzels. And a snack, I might add, that a certain character that we may meet somewhere within these opening two chapters may favour in that it hails from his homeland, mm. I guess. Ah, but as we know, pretzels are wont to make one thirsty. So with what beverage shall I moisten my palate? Mm. Why, how about something dark? a little sinister, something rich, and even bloody in complexion. So it sounds like we we took a similar approach here with our drinks. Mm. Not fresh blood in my case, mind you, but blood that has taken on, shall we say, a tawny hue after prolonged exposure to the elements, like the blood of a corpse. Okay. Because, yes, not only, as you pointed out, uh, is the Lamborghini blood red, which I had actually forgotten, (laughs) but uh, mere pages into this book, the bodies are already piling up. Mm. So that's a bit of a spoiler for stuff to come, but it's not really a spoiler for anything substantial. No. Now, what other qualities should this drink possess? Well, this is a John Lange novel, so something full-bodied would be appropriate, not just because of the lifeless bodies that will undoubtedly be strewn across this narrative if these opening sections are anything to go by, but because of the nubile full bodies of the women who will co-star in dreadful misogynistic escapades with our manly heroes. Well, we haven't had, we have had no women so far, so... This is a prediction. And, mm. and, how about something that also captures the globe-trotting nature of this story, which flits rapidly between exotic locales, or if you'd prefer, 
from port to port. Yes, the drink that I'll be pairing with my twisty snack is port. A tawny-coloured, full-bodied <laughs> sipping drink. What a, what a bunch of crap. You had, you had fucking wine last time. Port is, is, is different. It's a fortified wine. You drink it very differently. Okay. But anyway, I went into the liquor store hunting for a blood-red beverage, right? Mm. And I was thinking of going, well, what's red, red wine? But that seemed like a cop-out to me. I didn't want to be saddled with wine again. So I wanted something that was more appropriate to drinking in moderation. Mm. Spirit or some sort of liquor or port, a fortified wine. And I was like, well, I guess it's not quite blood red, but, you know, if I stretch it and say something about dried blood of a corpse, maybe I'll get away with it. Maybe blood goes a tawny colour at some point. But then just now when I poured the drink... It's actually blood red, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, perfect. Um, now, what I've already said about my drink and its connection to this novel should be enough, you'd think, right? So many connections spilling out already. Mm. But there's more. So this is a port from Portugal, no less. A location which features in the opening chapter. That's true. And the brand, the brand, you ask? I'll say now that I won't necessarily commit to drinking the same brand of port every week for financial reasons <laughs> and also perhaps availability. But the brand I've selected for these uh, opening episodes is none other than Coburn's. COVID? Coburn's. It's pronounced Coburn, the name in the title, but spelt Cockburn. And I dare say some of the male characters in Scratch One <laughs> may experience this affliction if they exert themselves as their predecessors did in Odds On. I must say that um, I don't know if any of the characters in this opening chapter will be experiencing that affliction, except for one. But anyway, let's get to it, shall we? All right. Uh, this shouldn't take too long. I don't think it's a pretty short chapter. Wait. We should pause to drink our drinks and eat our snacks before we begin. Let's tipple and snack. Cheers. Clink. Mm-mm-mm. Mmm. <laughs> I don't like sweet stuff. <laughs> well, that's too bad for you. It'll 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 at least keep me drinking moderately. Mmm. It's not like you've really had that problem except for uh all the time. <laughs> On the podcast, I mean. So when I was trying to think of some drink to pair this novel with, and I was reading these opening chapters, the easiest route would be to uh, select a drink that is actually mentioned in the text, right? Mm. And what drink is mentioned in this text? Do you remember? A martini. Why, it's vermouth. (laughs) There's a a martini. That's a way too expensive route for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I forgot that. That, That's true. Yeah, so there's there's two drinks mentioned. Martini, prohibitively expensive. And uh, vermouth. Disgusting. Uh, I mean, I guess our odds-on listeners, or for Christ's sake, listeners who experience the odds-on section of this podcast, uh, won't actually know the aftermath of our triumphant 15th concluding episode of the odds-on book, during the recording of which I consumed an entire litre of the most disgusting drink I could possibly imagine, which in this case was a Cinzano Extra Dry Vermouth. Mm. 
and uh, it made me extremely sick. It's too bad. And I threw up in a bucket. The okay, bucket let, hole let, in let, it. we don't need to get into our personal lives. The vomit it's... leaked into the bed. I haven't washed my bed sheets. I haven't washed the bucket. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Cheers. Come pie. Bang goes the gun. A man falls. Scratch one. Bad pros. Good fun. Hot sex. Scratch one. Anyway, so Victor Jennings, he's going to his Ferrari, right? Or his Ferrari, his Lamborghini. <laughs> he seems to be some sort of cool guy. He's just lost uh, $10,000 in Baccarat, which I assume was included because of the book Casino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we don't know that much about him, do we? No, not yet. Uh, we don't really learn that much about him either. We learn one other thing about him in Chapter 2. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so he goes into his car, as you already said, and then he yep. uh, attempts to. Uh, Should I read it again? No, nope, he t- attempts to turn on the lights and fails. Turns on the windshield wipers. Then Hugh, what should come through his window? A bullet. A bullet. But. A bullet, but. He escapes uh, from it. He doesn't uh, get shot. It hits him in the shoulder, I think. Uh, yep. His right shoulder. So he does get shot. Just not fatally. As Crichton writes, Victor Jennings was a man, or sorry, Victor Jennings was a man accustomed to attempts on his life. Victor Jenks. <laughs> we can't make that uh, connection just yet. We don't know anything about him. So. So no big deal. He survives the assassination attempt. Hmm. And then he jets off to places unknown. And so do we, except we know the place because it says at the start <laughs> of the section. And it is Cairo. Indeed. There's a, a French man, right? Uh-huh. And... What's his name? Uh, unnamed. <laughs> it's just, it just says, the French man. So in Cairo, there's an unnamed Frenchman. What's happening? He's been kidnapped by uh, some Arabs, which that's the only detail that we get about them. Yes, that's that's the exact terminology that um, Crichton employs persistently. They're pointing guns at him, right? And they suggest that someone wants to meet him. Uh, the car finally stops uh, short of the Nile. Uh, they take the uh, the prisoner, the captive, out. And they say, wait here. The person you're meeting will be along soon. In the meantime, we will need you to uh, wear these handcuffs. Mm. He's like, cool, this doesn't sound good, but I'll comply. Puts his hands behind his back. They cuff him. And uh, then what happens? They uh, fucking kill him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they push him to the sand and then they shoot him. Yep. And uh, as they say in France, au revoir to the Frenchman, who we know nothing about. I was getting quite fond of him, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. From that point, we, we fly back to Europe to Portugal. Just like where my drink is from. Mm-hmm. What's happening now? Well, there's a man. He's American. Uh, he's a minor consular official. Mm-hmm. Just received uh, the order to transfer to Nice in France. So he's just relaxing. He's relaxing in uh, Portugal. Mm -hmm. Before he begins his work and relocates. Uh, What else is he doing? He's enjoying the water. Yummy, yummy water. This is great. Having a great time. Mm -hmm. He's going to cheat on his wife or something like that? Oh, no, he's going to dump the woman that he's been hooking up with. But she's going to take it fine. Yeah, so he's, he was with the Spanish woman previously. Yep. As, I mean, should I just quote it? 
quickly? Yes. He's riding proud. Come on, let's hear it right about now. For crying out loud. Maria would take it well, and although he would miss her, he was confident he could find a suitable replacement on the Riviera. Hell, if you couldn't find a girl there, you couldn't find one anywhere. There you go. Easy come, easy go. Mm-hmm. Just like this man's wife, which goes because he gets his brain blasted out with a gun bullet. Mm. Another another assassination. Another dead, unnamed man. Oh, that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Good thing we spent all that time talking about uh, our drinks and snacks. <laughs> Otherwise, there'd be nothing to this episode. Well, you know, it sounds like there's probably nothing to it anyway. So a quick recap. Uh, <laughs> there's been an assassination attempt on a guy in a Lamborghini. Yes. Who is named Victor Jennings. And that was unsuccessful. Uh, he was only wounded, and he's going to hospital to get fixed up. Uh, then there followed two successful assassinations mm. one in cairo where a french man was dispatched mm-hmm. handcuffed face down in the sand just by the nile mm. and then one in portugal where uh, some dude from america was also killed mm. that's it that's it that's the chapter so are you are you excited based on this evidence or at least if you cast your mind back to what you felt when you reached the end of chapter one before you had read chapter two, which we had. Which we have now. We have. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> People getting their brains blown out. That's exciting stuff. What do you think? I mean, I didn't have much to grab onto here. I think that's the problem. Mm. I didn't find it a particularly compelling opening. Did you? Um, no. I know that we shouldn't um, force Michael Crichton, the late Michael Crichton, to live in the shadow of his masterwork odds on. Nope. And compare every subsequent novel to that effort. Mm. But I was uh, certainly more grabbed by the silly nonsense of the opening to that particular novel than I was with this one. Yeah, because that was, that was uh, you know, following characters who presumably were going to follow throughout the course of the novel. Exactly. And there was some dynamite, some sex. This one's got nothing. It's just some people getting shot. Anyway, I guess we'll find out if this becomes any good next time. You certainly shall. Join us, won't you? Oh.